are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Friday, June 3rd, and um, another episode, a good one today. Start off with hits and misses like normal. We got a rant from Tim on the NFL, and then in the second segment, we got an interview with Steve Grilly, Jason Grilly's dad, for those of you, you know, Pittsburgh Pirates fans, Jason Grilly, closer, his dad. Um, his dad was in the in the bigs for like four years, uh, bounced around with a bunch of minors, great stories, and obviously just a guy who's been around the game for, I mean, what, 50 plus years oh. now, um, has been around the game and been a big part in the game. A so. wealth of knowledge. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Then we will have a a little baseball discussion, some role changes, uh, like mound being lowered, pushed back, and, you know, banning the shift, the the normal. Right, the normal discussions that I feel like baseball fans have been having for a while. Look, there's just not enough, there's not enough base runners, there's not enough cat and mouse, it's just too home run or strikeout dependent, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily great for the league. I don't think it's great for the league. I think... Yeah, we'll get into it, but I mean, I think there could be some changes made that could make it more interesting. I agree. I agree. Uh, and then finishing off in the third segment with uh, quarterback tiers and then this or that with NFL players and, I mean, just more personnel. We're start the pot here. Yeah. Start the pot on this or that. So basically, he'll give me two players. They they will be at the same position. Now, they all, they all not all five, but there's five, you know, little things here, right? Five this or that choices. Not all five are the same positions, but within the one, like Devonta Adams or Cooper Cup, I'm not gonna tell you the answer. Same position, so yeah. Um, either way, it's gonna be a good episode. So um, if we just want to start off with hits and misses, I mean, like every week, let's go. So hit number one. Let's go with you know um, Deshaun Watson. I said I don't think he's gonna play this season. I think I would suspend him for about a full year. Um, and a 23rd woman comes out saying, you know, basically the same accusations, same story, same everything as the first 22. And I'm thinking, how does he play? I don't understand. There's no way that he can find a path to the field this year. I just don't think it happens. So he probably ends up sitting out this entire season, which means then by the time he plays, he will be two full years out of the game of football. Yeah. Two full years. You start looking in history, what are the quarterbacks and what are the players that have taken two full years off the game? They are completely different players when they come back. Like, completely different. Like, you can't take two, three, four years off of this sport, or any sport for that matter, and come play at a high level, like in the NFL. It's very, very hard to do. Now, Deshaun's skilled. He's still pretty young. But I just don't see it this it's, working out at all. It's really tough to, to be able to leave and then come back like that. And... I don't. I think personally, I don't see him playing this year. I, I I don't know how a league could let him play this year. I just don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. And they have the adjudicator, the neutral uh, judge right. that they selected to to make the decision on based on his punishment for this season. Right. I, I don't think it goes well for him, nor do I think it should. I mean, I mean, it's certainly notable that it's a it's a woman adjudicating it, and it's crimes or not. I guess like it's infractions. I think they're is it misdemeanors at this point? It's a civil is a civil case. It is a civil case. So there's civil lawsuits against women where women are, are victims. And now yeah. look, 
they, 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 there's supposed to be no bias, but I mean, I would have bias, Absolutely. right? If I was the, like, if I was the judge and was the the roles were reversed, I'd be like, I wouldn't be necessarily Jones yeah, Jones and to let this guy off. Playing this year. Right? I don't think he's, I don't think no. she's gonna pull any any favors for him. No. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I don't blame her. I don't blame her. I don't think there should be any favors pulled. I, I don't see how he I don't see how he sees the field. I no. just don't. So I think Cleveland this year is going to be right back in a. A spot that they've been all too often, just uncertain at quarterback and up and down at quarterback, and you know you think you have something in Baker, turn around four years later, you have absolutely nothing in Baker, and so you you, you get to Sean Watson, and he might not even be able to play for you this year, and so who knows what? how he's gonna how good he's gonna be when he comes back. Now this feels pretty good as a Steeler fan, I must say, because um, you saw the Browns kind of on the come up, right? They beat you in the playoffs. And now it seems like they're kind of just floating their way right back down to where they belong in yeah. the basement of the AFC North. All right, miss number one here. Um, we said that the Buccos would be really bad. And don't get me wrong, they're still bad. But we can kind of remove really, right? They're just bad. They're not really bad. They impressed a little bit. They impressed a little bit. So they swept the Dodgers this past, um, you know, like three, three, four days or whatever. Um, I mean, we're never Didn't see on the, as a show, you know, high on the Pirates, but they have earned some credit, right? Like I said, swept the Dodgers. They're playing some decent baseball. They're six and four in their last ten. They're young. They're feisty. Now, I don't love them this year. Probably not even next year. But they have some young pieces. Continue to grow. O'Neill Cruz isn't even up yet. He's one of the top prospects. He's our top prospect. Beast of a shortstop. Real long, lanky, great swing. Um, he'll be coming up within the next year or so. They have a little bit of promise, and I like Derek Shelton. They do play hard for Derek Shelton. I don't watch enough, you know, I'm, I'm not watching every single baseball game and analyzing every single decision he makes as a manager. To me, it seems like he knows what he's doing. Baseball knowledge aside, I think the players play hard for him, and I think that's important. Yeah, it is important. Um, I don't mind them. I, I think they definitely impress in, like, the weirdest of ways because – Watch they, they sweep the Dodgers, but watch what they go do next week in like a, a weekday series against like the Reds, who were terrible. The yeah. bottom of the division, they lose yeah. two out of three. Yeah, like, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It doesn't. It wouldn't shock me. But we were a little bit wrong here. So right, and I mean, granted, the Buccos still are ninth and uh, out of fifteen teams in the NL. So let's not like <laughs> go absolutely crazy. But, but hey, maybe hey, a wild card. We expect them to be like fourteen or fifteen. So we we're getting closer. Um, hit number two here, I've said a lot, and uh, it's on our Instagram as well. You cannot win with the fourth best quarterback in your division. So I was looking at divisions from this past year. Six out of eight of them were lost, like in fourth place with the worst quarterback. And in the other two, the worst quarterback was the third place quarterback under 500 and missed the playoffs. Okay, so they've never been a top one or two team in the division if you have the fourth best quarterback can't in the happen. division. It just can't happen. You, know, you cannot compete with the fourth best quarterback. That's why I love Derek Carr. But like I, I don't think I don't buy the Raiders. Because although he's a really good quarterback, in that division, he's still the fourth best quarterback. It's just such a talented division. That's what that's what concerns me. So theoretically, like Mac Jones, right? I do think Tua is a little bit better than Mac Jones from like a skill standpoint. And I think Zach Wilson, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over from a skill standpoint, is a is a more skilled quarterback than Mac Jones, right? He has got a better arm, moves around a little bit more. Yeah. If Zach Wilson even ends up working out a little bit, you could look up and Mac Jones would be the fourth best quarterback in the division within the next a year or two. But that's what scares me about him. Right, so even even Kenny Pickett, right? If Deshaun comes back in his Eighty percent of what he was. Lamar stays the same, and obviously you have Joe Burrow. Kenny Pickett is easily—I mean, even if he 
works out really well and becomes like a nice B-plus quarterback, there's going to be seasons and stretches where he is the fourth-best quarterback in the division. That worries me. Um, I don't know, but we were right there. I said you can't win can't win with that, and uh, last year you couldn't. Miss number two, I also said, again, also on Instagram, I said uh, that the Steelers shouldn't rush finding their next quarterback, and I advised that I don't think they should have taken anybody in this year's draft class. Um, I thought you should have... You, you sign Mitch, you're not paying him anything, let's roll with Mitch Trubisky for a little bit, he'll be fine, he'll get you to, I don't know, 7 and 10, 8 and 9, maybe 9 and 8, you'll get an average draft pick, a chance to move up and go get one of the top 3 or 4 guys in this coming draft, Yeah, will be positioned pretty nice, now, I don't think they reached t- taking Kenny Pickett, I didn't love the pick, I don't hate it, but as long as we play him this season, I'm fine with it. Because I think if you don't play him this season and you lose out on next year's quarterback draft class as well, that's a now, big miss. For the now Steelers, you yeah. screwed yourself, right? Oh yeah, right. And so you're stuck with him and hoping that there's another draft class that even compares to this next year's quarterback class coming this, up. This, from a prospect standpoint, obviously we don't know if any of these guys are going to pan out. But from a prospect standpoint, it's one of the best draft classes. I mean, it's uh, impressive. I mean, it's really early to tell as well. We don't know who's going to get hurt. We don't know who's actually going to perform, but. Right now, it's looking like one of the best draft classes for quarterbacks in the last, like, 10 years. Oh, yeah. Right, since, like, maybe Luck and RG3. Because as prospects, they were supposed to be insane. But, yeah. Um, okay, hit number three. I've said, yeah, again, st- staying on the same thing as quarterbacks here. You have to be special at quarterback in order to in order to really succeed in this league, like, big time. I'm talking conference championships, Super Bowls, you know, perennial playoff victories, right? All the quarterback moves this offseason have been teams trying to find that guy, right? Uh, you know, Denver gets Russ. Uh, Deshaun to Cleveland. Um, even, even a guy like Matt Ryan to Indianapolis, right? The Niners moving off Jimmy G for Trey Lance. They think he's the next guy, right? You see all these moves to get the guys, you know, to get the teams over the hump, to get them to playoff success, right? Even Matt Ryan, who, like I said, limited but still pretty good. Somehow Baker Mayfield hasn't. And I no don't market. understand it. There's no market all, for him. He is better than some quarterbacks, or at least more productive than some of these quarterbacks that have actually succeeded. Yes. Um, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All right, miss number three here. I figured Jimmy G would be picked up by now. Um, he hasn't been. It's probably because the surgery. I don't get it. He's led a team deep into the playoffs twice. Hasn't been picked up yet. I have no explanation for it. I don't know. The, the, the surgery, most likely. Most likely. I just figured, look, he's been to a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know how he's not picked up yet, but whatever. So neither of them have markets. Baker, Jimmy G, they don't have markets. But I will say, wait till week eight. Wait till those teams are desperate, right? Wait till the Saints go, you know, four and five in their first nine with Jameis. Actually, I think Trey does another at week eight or something like that. Once right? that so, urgency starts to yeah, pick up. They're two and five with Jameis, right? Yeah. And the pressure's building, right? The city's like, hey, we need to do something. You'd be surprised what a lot of teams will do, right? Yeah. What if Carson Wentz, I like Wentz. What if he goes out there and bombs? Because he can have stretches where he'll have four or five games in a row that are terrible. What if five of those happen to be in the first seven games of the season? You don't think they'd make a move? I think they would. I think I think they would certainly make a move for maybe Baker, Jimmy G, somebody. I mean, I, I could definitely see it, especially because you're going to want that more veteran, knowledgeable guy uh, at the helm, especially if you're trying to make any sort of like a playoff run or trying to make a playoff push uh, to, to get your team there, at least to a wild card spot. I definitely would look into 
Jimmy G or, Jimmy or G. Baker, I guess, if you really got desperate. Now, look, Baker is better than a lot of guys in the league. Now, it's just if you want to take on the the, pers- he- the persona that is Baker. The that headache Baker. that comes with him. Right. Uh, right. And the noise and the drama. Because it's so, not his on-the-field play that's the issue. No. I mean, granted, I still don't think he's that good on the field, but that's not what, that's not what keeping him from getting a job. I mean, he's not like standout fantastic, because if he was, he would have a team. Let's not kid ourselves here, because, you know... Aaron Rodgers is combative as well. Aaron Rodgers ruffles feathers as well. But you know Kyler what? Murray He's as well. one of the best in the game. And Kyler does things that, you know, Baker can't ever dream of doing in a game. Have you seen Kyler play? Uh, right. That's why these guys don't have trouble finding the next contract. And Baker does. I agree. I agree. So kind of staying with the NFL here. I mean, in general, most of us like football. I think in the, in the NFL, I think the ratings will tell you that. Um you know, how much we're interested in it, how much we, we bet on it, right? Usually you bet what you're interested in, right? Yep. How many people bet on it, um, memorabilia sales, all that. I mean, the consumer people have said, we like football, right? The we like the NFL. Ratings have been through the roof. Now every now and then you'll hear people whine and they'll moan, be like, oh, the anthem thing or the, you know, domestic violence and how they're handling punishments for crimes and, and violations and all that. Look, those are all fair, fair grievances. But can we please take a second to realize how fantastic of a league the NFL is. Like, seriously. How fantastic of a of a business and of a product the NFL is. Because at the end of the day, this is a TV product. They make most of their money from the TV deals. This is a TV product at the very end of the day. It's the bottom line. Are they making money? Are they a good product for TV? Absolutely. It's a great business. It's a great product. It's a great league. Are there deficiencies? Yeah, absolutely. But it is a great, great business. The numbers reflect it, too. A great gauge of this, among other things, but to start, is salaries. In any business, really any in any business model, I, I can't think of one where this doesn't really apply. You need, first of all, a great idea. You need some capital to start it up. You need buy-in, right, from employees, managers. You know, take a restaurant, for example. You need people to buy in. You need servers. You need, you need back-of-the-house people. You need managers, right? You need people to buy in, and then you make the money. Right, and there's a growing period where there's, their salaries aren't necessarily crazy in terms of you know here's what the store's bringing in, but the the employees are only getting this much because there's still a lot of debt that needs paid off, right? So then you start making some big money, some of the debts paid back, the business is more stable, it has more of a steady income stream, then the employees can get paid more. Same thing with the NFL in 1998, about 24 years ago. It's not very long, not that long. Jake Plummer. Broke the record for the highest contract ever in the NFL at that point, ever. Four years, $29 million. That was the record. Four years, $29 million. Now, granted, Jake Plummer is not a good player. So it was kind of crazy that he broke the record. But nonetheless, that was the record in 1998. Just over $7 million. Mahomes is set to make 36 against the cap next year. Matt Stafford, because of some cap manipulation... We'll watch his bank account, bank account grow by $61.5 million next year. Aaron over the next two, $101 million. So let's look at the total value of contracts, right? Because that's what broke the record with, with Plummer, right? Mahomes sits at the most total money at $450 million over the course of the contract. Plummer was 29 That makes Mahomes' contract 15 and a half times larger than Jake Plummer's. This means that the that roughly the, the quote-unquote top quarterback salary from a year-to-year basis has grown by 65% each year. From year-to-year. 
65%. Well, the, the top employee, right? You, that, that would say that that's your top employee, right? That is the best guy that the NFL has to offer. That's your poster child, right? There's your CEO, basically. You know, that, that's your rock star. That's your number one employee. Their salary is grown by 65% each year. And those are employees. Those are, that doesn't even count the CEOs and the, and the um, you know, the, the presidents, obviously, the owners, right? So people, people want to rip Goodell. Like, seriously, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, you, it's some of his judgment on maybe some of the punishments, he's a commissioner, not a judge, right? We're, we're, we're going to crucify him. You, you should have suspended Kareem Hunt longer. Uh, okay, did, did he go to law school? As far as I know, I don't think he did. Maybe. I don't know, I haven't looked that much into Goodell's background. But you're right, he's not a lawyer. He's not a practicing lawyer. He's not a practicing judge. Right? He's a commissioner of a league. And his job as the commissioner of the league, he works for the owners, basically, right? If the owners make money, he makes money. And if he makes money, the league makes money, everybody makes money, everybody's happy. This is a business. So in 2005, the NFL pulled in $6.2 billion, roughly. 6.16. In 2019, so pre-pandemic, right? Because the numbers are a little bit different now. They're not rising quite as they were. They actually took a dip during the pandemic. Makes sense. 2019, pre-pandemic, the NFL pulled in $15.3 billion. Goodell tripled the business's worth in 14 years. Tripled it. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty decent. Uh, I'm considering the second best league in 2019, the NBA, pulled in about $8.5 billion. It's about half the NFL. So I, I, I'm so I'm so sick of the scared and the and the worried people or the naysayers, if you will. Take a deep breath. Like the NFL's fine. The NFL's fine. People, because I'm hearing it a lot now with um, with the Deshaun Watson thing. If they get this wrong, I cannot watch NFL football. Really? Because I'm pretty sure you're going to. It's one guy. Like okay, oh, so he botches. He bo- the NFL's if they botch the Deshaun Watson thing. Okay, Deshaun runs around a lot. He'll be out of the league in five years anyway. I mean, maybe. Maybe. He's also been out of the league for two years now, and nobody talks about him, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure the NFL is going to be just fine. People thought it was the end of the world with the Ray Rice or the or the um, Kaepernick kneeling for the flag. They're like, how are we going to... We have to fix this. How are we going to fix it? This is really, really bad for the league. No. No. I mean, since Kaepernick, just since Kaepernick which started taking the knee, right, the first time he did it, and fell's grown like in five billion dollars or four, like four, four billion dollars. They've they've grown since that day. I think that was like 2014, 2015, something like that. Yeah, they've made like four billion dollars. That's fine. It's fine. So I I, I don't want to hear that though. The NFL they're doomed. No, I mean you can see it right there in the numbers. The number one employees are getting paid more. The owners are making more. I mean, an NFL franchise has never been more valuable. Never been more valuable. Even somebody in the the Pacific Northwest, not a small city, but not necessarily a, a nationwide powerhouse of a city, Seattle. Seattle's a wildly lucrative franchise. I mean, teams that you wouldn't even expect. Green Bay, who's a small town. Now, granted, they've been a, a really big brand for a while. But small town USA. It's just houses in, like, Midwestern town right next to the stadium. Have never been more lucrative as a business. Um, so I, I, I just, I'm not here for this whole, oh, the NFL is doomed. Did they need to get this to Sean right or nobody's going to watch them? No, we're going to be, they're, they're going to be just fine. People are going to watch them. People are going to bet on them. People are like us are going to talk about it. 
right? Because it's the most important league, it's the best league, and you can see it right there in the numbers. Everything's going to be fine. Take a deep breath. Well, speaking of taking a breath, um, we're going to go take a little bit of a breather because when we come back, we are going to have a fantastic little sit-down with Steve Grilly, followed by a little bit of a baseball discussion. And then uh, in the third segment, we'll have some quarterback tiers, a little bit of this or that. So please don't go anywhere. Great episode coming up for you. So we're sitting down here with Steve Grilly. Many of you guys might know his son, Jason Grilly, longtime pirate, um, kind of a little bit of a Pittsburgh celebrity, if you will. And uh, Steve himself is sitting down here with us. Gannon alumni as well, Gannon Hall of Fame. For those of you um, kind of from this area, Gannon's pretty popular. So, Steve, how you doing? Steve, can you hear me? How you, how you doing? Yeah, good. I can hear you. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Oh, very good. We we appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, to sit down and talk to us. So, like I said, my, I mentioned you were a local guy, attended Gannon. You were really, really good there, to be quite frank. So you got signed to the Tigers as an undrafted free agent, and, you know, away your career went. So how large is the skill gap between – you know, like college baseball and, and even the even the low A ball, right? Even even rookie ball. How big is that gap in, uh, in skill? Well, you know, uh, we have it. We had a the New York Penn League close by here in New York, and uh, it just went defunct. They they stopped the New York Penn League, but we had a um, we had a club in Auburn. It was the uh, Auburn Double Days. I used to tell kids around here if they wanted to play ball as a pro they should go see the Auburn double days it's like your entry level I, I would say college to to the um it, it's a stepping ladder how I looked at it when you left college the competition was pretty good I mean uh at Ghana we went to southern Alabama Tulane we went south on the southern trip and um uh you know you beat schools like that you get a little notoriety a small school like Ghana. but the, the, to answer your question about the step I think going from college to the next level, which would be your rookie league or your A ball, uh, there's a you, you know you're, you're playing against a more solid team through one through nine. Uh, whereas in college, you know you might be facing guys that are pretty good one through five, maybe even six. So it's an extension, I think, when you first get into pro ball. Um, I I I was an unsigned uh, I was an undrafted player when I came out of Gannon. And uh, my entry level was the Florida State League. It wasn't even in a lower A. And I got off to a pretty good start. I was 5-0 and with a 1.9 ERA in my first year. Um, I got moved up middle of, middle of the season to high A. So, you know, I, I guess that's the structure that you have. You know, you do well in A ball, you go to the next level. And uh, I seem to have climbed the ladder, um, you know, at each level. But the higher you go, the tougher it is that that's that goes hand in hand right that's interesting you bring up the point it's not as much of you know especially that rookie ball it's not as much of the 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 good players are better it's more you know one through nine uh it's a more well-rounded team that's an interesting point so you played um minor league ball in new york right new york's definitely you know um, a place kind of near and dear to you you're from there right you, do you have a restaurant there yeah. is that right I do. I've had it for 40 years this past April. It, uh, we opened the doors back in 1982. Uh, I still have it. Uh, I'm, at, I'm 73 years old now, so I'm looking to get out of it. <laughs> 40, year, 40 years of having a popular sports bar. Um, uh, doesn't get old, I won't say that, but uh, I, I've got other things I want to do now at this stage in my life. 
Right, that makes sense. So, so you you chose chose to live there. You know, you're, like I said, you're from there. So, but you have been a little bit everywhere, right? Being in the minors for a while, and then obviously in the majors. Um, you know, kind of bouncing around, did, traveling to different cities and different series, all that. Um, so, what's your favorite place to travel to? Because, like I said, you you've been in a lot of in a lot of cool places. Yeah, you know, I got married my second year in ball, and my wife, thank God, had a um, had a good way about her and enjoyed traveling, enjoyed packing. Not, not that she enjoyed packing, but uh, my first year in pro, her first year experience in pro ball, we made about five moves in one year from, from our home in Long Island to spring training. That's one move. And from spring training to Lakeland, that's two moves. Lakeland, from there I went to... Uh, I went to Montgomery and uh, I was raised and got called up to AAA, so that was three. Then we moved to AAA and then we got sent back down to AA because of the way the system was going. Somebody in the big leagues had to come down. and So she made like five or six moves in her first year of marriage. So we, we tested her patience and her, her uh, dedication and love for me in that first year. And that's why we're going to be married 50 years this uh, November. Well, congratulations. That's fantastic. I, I Like I said, being everywhere, it must be cool to travel and everything like that. But uh... So uh, on the show, we say all the time that, you know, like a locker room kind of guy is important. You know, a guy that might not be the most skilled, but he's good in the locker room, right? He's a good hang. He's a good guy. I think that's, you know, kind of over overstated. And, uh, you know, Steve, point blank, you get into those, those major league locker rooms, money can change people. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real thing. I think it can kill a locker room. It can kill a, it can kill a culture. Um, how, have you ever been in well, a locker room you know, where that's been an issue? Yeah, I give you I give you a great story. Um, Rusty Staub was on our team. It was a bona fide, you know, he was a big league uh, all star player in the big leagues, and you know, one of the top paid players in our locker room. And in Detroit, we had uh, what I would call cow milking stools as uh, stools as seats in front of our locker. And uh, one day we came into the locker room, and we all still had our milks milking cow stools uh, in front of our lockers. But Rusty Staub had a nice, almost chair like this one right here. I don't know if you could see it. Yeah, like a little office a chair nice, there. Nice little office chair. And um, it, it was the only one in the locker room. And we were like, wow. We're... So John Hiller, who was the top relief pitcher for us and one of the better ones in the league, went up to him and says, well, where's ours? And uh, Rusty, you know, says, well, what do you mean, where's ours? Says, well, you know better than the rest of us. He says, I, I think if you're going to have that in your locker, you should go out and get the rest of us, the rest of the 24 players, seats like that so we could sit on. And he goes, he kind of laughed at him. And true story, Hiller said to him, he says, well, listen, if we don't have chairs like that in front of our lockers tomorrow, he says, I'm going to take a knife to this thing and cut it all up. Wow. You know better than it. So, I mean, it's an incident in the sense that, yeah, that, that wasn't right. You know, who do you think you are? But now – you go to locker rooms, guys, it, they got one of these in front of every locker. I mean, when Jason played for the Tigers, I saw this, and I told him the story. And then for one of my gifts at Christmas or my birthday, I don't know what it was, he went out and bought me this. Uh, right, that, that's a nifty nice little office now. So, yeah, yeah, that's that was nifty. An incident, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, big, the big difference between – and Jason and I have discussed this quite often about – the difference with today's player and the difference uh, from my era is we stuck around the locker room, had a couple beers and just talked about the game and really got to know each other. It's like, it seems like today's player 
when they're finished, they sh- you know shower and shave and maybe have one drink and leave. They they got their agent in town. They go out with their briefcases um, because these guys are making a hell of a lot more money than uh, I ever dreamed of as a as a major league ball player. My first year in the big leagues, we made I made sixteen thousand dollars, and in the off season, I drove a UPS truck so I could make ends meet. Wow. So there's a big difference. Yeah, there's a big difference of what the What's the major league set minimum now is about seven hundred and some thousand, isn't it? Right, it's something like that. I mean, and that's uh, that makes sense because I mean, those the the seventies, the eighties, it was a little more feisty because people were, you know, you were competing just to make ends meet. Sometimes nowadays, even the yeah. bottom of the the bottom of the barrel, not even bottom of the barrel, but even the guys that are making the minimum are still, you know, very comfortable, um, comfortably living. So. I mean, that's why I, I enjoy watching. Every now and then, I'll, I'll pull up like the '80s World Series or something like that because it's a different it's a different brand of uh, of baseball. The hard slides into second, oh, yeah. the throwing up and in a lot. Like it's feisty. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and and brawls. I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot there was a lot more brawls brawls back then uh, than you see now. Case you see bench clearing every once in a while, but. You know, look at some of the, some of the Yankee brawls uh, from years past. The one that dislocated Bill Lee's shoulder back in, I think, it was '78, '79. Um, that that was uh, that was quite the uh, the epitome of a brawl right there. But yeah, the game is changing. Uh, some some good, I say, and then and some things I'm I'm a little disturbed with. So. Right, actually, that's actually kind of where I wanted to head next, uh, Steve. I'm not sure the product of professional baseball is, is up to par right now with other leagues, right? I mean, I, I still love the sport. I'm that's coming from a guy who eats, sleeps, breathes baseball, right? But from from a standpoint of looking at you're at the NFL, NBA, MLB, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a product that they have to sell to consumers, and I'm not sure it's a really good product right now. I think there's some fundamental changes that can be made, and I'm going to start with one and and pitch it to you. And let me know what you think. I think in the length of the season, I think you should cut it in half. I don't think you need 162 games. I think the game needs some more urgency, some more fire and drive. Make make a 10-game losing streak hurt a little bit more, if you will. Um, what are your thoughts on on cutting the season down and from lost, 162? Yeah. I'm all for it. And, and you know the format now with the uh, uh, the wild card, I really didn't think I was going to like that one 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 game playoff for wild card. But like you just said, I think it brings more drama and more meaning to that one particular game. Uh, you know, look at the 154 game schedule. Then you add on the the playoffs and stuff like that. It's way too much, way too long a season. I think there's a lot of injuries, especially to pitches because of it. You know, the format, uh, the fact that they play late at night now, I think they're losing – they're losing the youth, the fan. You know, when the games mean the most, you're talking about playoffs, World Series. I mean, these games are going to 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's ludicrous. I mean, that's insane. And then you're worried about, you know, where you're bringing the young fans into the game. They're long long, long in bed cutting those Zs when the game's still going on. I find it hard as a 73-year-old like you, a baseball guy that eats, sleeps, and drinks it, I can't make it to the to the ninth inning in these playoff games. It's too late. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I will say the uh, MLB is doing a little bit better this year. I know there's a lot more day games this year, um, which I which I enjoy because I can catch a little bit more of them. Another rule that I wouldn't mind implementing, and I know this is this is kind of an unpopular opinion, is to do something to curb the amount of shifting that that the that the fielders can do. I know every sport has rules of where you can stand and where you can line up. A football has a legal formation. 
basketball with like a three-second violation, can't stand in the lane, right? Why can't baseball have a positional structure? Because I, I think they can. I think they should have structure to where you can line up. Do you think that's crazy? No, I, I'm in total agreement with you, especially when you look at the major league batting average. is like 230. That's, that's, it's bad. This guy's in 170, 190. I look at that, and I'm like, from my era, always looking at the back of a baseball card, you know, the Mendoza line of two. If you hit below the Mendoza line, you were embarrassed. Um, so yeah, I I find it I find it uh, the shift is is a large part of it. this guy's crushing the ball, but there's three guys on the side of the on that side of the infield. It's a lot tougher to get it through. So I'm in agreement. I you know third baseman should be playing the near third base. Shortstop should be between. Second baseman should be near second base. And I don't. I think the line of demarcation should be the bases. Second baseman should, it should not be allowed to go on the shortstop side. Right. I, I'm in agreement with you totally on that. Yeah, I agree. I think it, you should have you know three outfielders, four infielders. The second baseman, and the first baseman have to say stay on that side of the infield. Third baseman, shortstop on that side. From there. Shuffle around what you'd like. Yeah, some of those but shifts that, are that, crazy. That puts some guardrails on it, right? There's third baseman in right field. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm totally. I think you'll find the fans saying that too, because uh, because of those shifts. Now, guys, it gives them due cause to swing for the fences. Like if I can't drop one in there, I'm going to go see if I can hit one over the fence. So it, it's um, yeah. I I'm in total agreement on that one with you. I, I'd have to check the box with you on that. Is you know stop the shift. Yeah, I, I agree. So I'm, I'm checking your stats here. I see you hit, speaking of, you know, swinging for the fence, I see you hit a double in the minors. Um, being your only extra base hit, do you remember that? Do you do you remember hit, getting that double? What? Do I remember getting a double? I hit my, um, in, uh, if you look at, in, in between Florida State League and, uh, and when I played in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, I hit like 320-something. In, uh, in Rocky Mount. I mean, it was like 20-plus at-bats, but we don't get to hit that much. But I could swing the bat. As a matter of fact, when I was a cannon, the, he liked the way I swung, but he won, put me at third. But we had another guy that could swing a little bit better than me. But, he, you know, I could swing the bat all through my high school career. And like Jason, Jason's a, a above 200 major league hitter. He even hit a home run in the big leagues. So, uh, but, yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I used a Jackie Robinson bat, a real thick handle, and I was more of a slap hitter. But I, I put the bat on the ball as much as I could. Right. I think that that's kind of what some of the game is missing nowadays is just those athletes that just want to go out there and compete regardless of position, and they don't care if they're a pitcher. They want to go out there and take their swings. That's why I used to love um, Madison Bumgarner. He still hits every once in a while. But when Mad Bum used to swing. Get up or, there and take hacks. Yeah, even, even Kershaw would get up there and take some swings. So. You know, I, I agree. I, I do miss kind of kind of the, the pitcher hitting and, and being small, an athlete. Run. And small ball, being able to bunt the guy over. Yeah. You know, that, that the rule with starting the guy at second base, you know, at the start of an inning, I think that's totally unfair to the pitcher because he may not – he gets the loss, but it's not his run. It doesn't show up in his ERA column. But to me, he, an L goes next to your name. That's totally – unfair it should be it should be a new that puts a team loss so um uh you know it's just the game has changed into the point where i think some people from that era that are gone now would come back and say what the hell's going on yeah i i completely agree 
you don't see a lot of stolen bases anymore. I mean, I was from the era of uh, Lou Brock. I played with Ronald Floor, um, uh, Wills, Maury Wills. You know, those guys, you know, they could run and they could still, you know, looking at a steal and 100 bases in the course of a season. Bunting is a lost art. Stealing is a lost art. Oh, yeah. The bunting it's, has almost you know, gone away. I mean, there's almost no bunting. The art of small ball is one of the best things about baseball, arguably, too. I mean, you get into some of those matchups where I, you, you get, they're, they're so even, but those little things, those little sack bunts or just a little squeeze that can be executed perfectly. I mean, that's what forces that other team onto their heels a little bit, makes them sweat. And we've seen that kind of disappear. Yeah. It's small ball is gone. And your billy ball. Billy Martin, you know, hit and run. You just don't see it because, you know, they're playing in my era. They had um, Earl Weaver, you know, he, he, he bumped, uh, you know, he would go for that three run homer. He didn't believe in bunting way back then, back in the seventies and eighties, but um, yeah, the game's changed. And, 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 and some of it is good. You know, I think some of it is good. I'm scared about, the strike zone if they're going to go to this electronic strike zone that that's going to take the umpire out of the game and you know it's i don't know i agree i'm trying to quit you know what you know i'm i'm off on a tandem here if they want to speed up the game have the pitcher and the and the batters know that they got to throw the pitch as soon as they get the ball back stop taking time out fixing your gloves a billion times in one at bat. I mean, uh, you know, these guys get out of the batter's box and they, they, uh, I, does your glove move that much that you got to readjust it? Some of the times swinging at a ball. Yeah. Some of the times they don't even swing. I was just going to say they stand there, they load back and then they're like, oh, got to retighten them. <laughs> got to retighten them. I, I think it's more nerves than anything else. I, I think it is more nerves than anything else, but I, I didn't implement the rule that you have to keep one, foot in the batter's box and you can't wander out and you know these these um, these chat replays has taken five before you know uh, it, I'm sorry well that although I don't know if you guys remember Galarraga when he had, he had the perfect game and the umpire blew the call at first base yeah, yeah. Jim you Joyce I bet he would have loved replay huh Jim Joyce yeah yeah I mean, there's there is a camp there's a campaign going. They're trying to see if they can change that because it's so obvious that it was a missed call. But that's never going to happen. Yeah, that, I mean that that would but be cool there's though. There's a campaign going to save it. Yeah. Um, so I'm surprised. I'm I'm surprised. Well, J- Joyce knew he blew it too. He cried at home plate the next day. Yeah, I, I did feel bad for him because he knew he blew it, and he—I mean—he even owned up to it. I don't know if it was right after the game or I know it was a couple of days later. He did a little press conference, and I just felt bad because he knew he he messed up. But eh, it is what it is now. Yeah, human error is part of the game. Yeah, yeah. So, so I have a question. So, last year in in the MLB, there was the whole the whole thing about pine tar or like sticky substance per se. Um, how much of that? Because I, I know I, I've talked to you know a couple, a couple major league guys. I'm like, yeah, you know, every now and then we put a little pine tar on there, or you know, a little sunscreen and rosin, right? It's fine. Batters can use batting gloves. Batters can use pine tar. Pitchers are just expected to go out there with absolutely nothing and just say, here we go. So I didn't have a problem. I think there should have been guardrails on it, right? Here's some stuff you can use. Here's some stuff you can't. 
Um, what was what were some things that you guys did back in, I don't know, like the 70s before it was even regulated a little bit, like when there was almost no regulation? Um, what were some things that you guys did to get a little extra stick on the ball? Well, I used to use, uh, you ever see the bowler's grip that you buy in a bowling alley? Yeah, yeah. It it, it, it uh, comes in a little jar and it, it's small. It's, it, it's about the size of a half a dollar. And basically, I used to keep it in my jacket in between innings, especially in cold days. Because the ball gets so slick and you have no control of it. And that's what they're saying with these new baseballs. They're so slick because the, the seams are not as raised as they were from years ago. This is a totally different baseball. It's been proven. And they go further. Um, and they're slicker. They're, they're wound hotter. And I, I think the pitchers, are, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, you're jeopardizing us throwing at these guys. A lot of times it's not intentional, but the, the ball gets away from us. And when a guy's in there throwing 100 miles an hour like some of these dudes are doing, I, you know, I'd, be, I'd be armored up pretty good into the box. Right, I agree. Like I said, uh, I think it's kind of unfair that the batters can just wear whatever and and do anything to help, and uh, and pitchers can't. So, have you ever seen? Have you ever been in a game where either a batter was ejected, or or you know his bat was looked at, or even a pitcher was ejected? Have you ever been in a game like that and witnessed it um, firsthand, or anything? Uh, none that I recall. But I I played with Joe Negro, who um, if you YouTube it, he had he had a nail file in the back in his back pocket, and when the ump came out to look at him, he kind of like tried to get rid of it. He reached in the pocket and he like threw his hands up like, I don't have anything. And meanwhile, you see the filing uh, nail filer kind of spiraling out of his hand. I saw that many times on TV, but no, I never I never uh, actually saw somebody get called out for it. You know, the infamous uh, George Brett uh, lives in infamy. Oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, with the way he came out. I thought he was going to kill the umpire when he came out of that dugout. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, uh, he, he, yeah, he came out hot. Do, guys try to do certain things to try to get sticky substance. You know, uh, I, again, I used to use that bowler's grip because it was clear, whereas pine tar is, you know, it's it's got a color to it. You can pick it up pretty easy. But guys are trying to, trying to get something on their fingers so the ball is easier to grip. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I see you got the, I guess you got the ring on there. Uh, what, what kind of what ring is that there for you? Uh, this was from uh, 1979. Uh, I take that back. That was 1975. I was playing for the Evansville Triplets when they had the Junior World Series intact. Yeah. Where the International League, the American Association, and the PCL would like have a round-robin playoff. And we won the whole thing. Uh, I had Mark Fitterich was on the, on the team at the time. Um, uh, it was quite a year. Yeah, we uh, we won the Junior World Series, this, and then I, that's what helped me get called up to the big leagues. We, uh, I was the closer for the team at the time. I did very well, and uh, that that's what got me my call. Yeah, I never take this thing off. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. You know, why not sport it? So you you mentioned you were the closer for that team, and obviously Jason being a closer and more of a of, of a late reliever guy. Is it is it a mentality or is it a pitch style? What is it to kind of set you guys apart as relievers? Because it seems. You know, what are the odds that you, that you are and he is? Is it, is it a mentality that you instilled in him? Is it something that you guys are just born with? What is what is that edge that you guys have? I, I think certain mentality because, you know, you have – I think if you put in your mind, you only have to get three outs as opposed to getting 21 or 20 or 27, you know, as a starter. It's like 
to me, it's a piece of cake. You want me to get three outs? Sure, I'll go out there and get three outs. But I was made a reliever by uh, our catcher was Bruce Kim, who uh, was Mark Fitterich's personal catcher and a good friend of mine who wound up managing and coaching in the big leagues. But he told the front office to turn turn me into a, um, a closer because I threw hard. And um, uh, I only had two pitches. You know, I, I, I think a starting pitcher, you need to have three. And uh, I couldn't master a good off-speed pitch. I had a fastball and a slider. And those are the kind of guys that you want to go once around. If you go twice and three times, then you start to get into a situation where these guys are starting to see you more and they have a better idea of what they're doing up there. So, yeah, I was changed to a reliever in, in 75. And um, it, it was uh, it was good reason for me to be a little more successful and get my chance to play in a few years in the big leagues. I love Jason, it. Yeah, Jason, I'll tell you the story about Jason. I'm speaking on his behalf, but uh, when he became a setup, he started as a starter, he did that whole thing, and then he, he made the Tiger team in 2005 as a long reliever and did well. In 2006, he was a middle reliever, and Leland said that, you know, without him, they wouldn't have been able to do it. He paid tribute to him on that. But then when he, when he, when he got to be a... a, a, a a setup man, his agent was, his agent was Gary Sheffield. And Gary was like, you know, you know what you can do with that two seamer of yours. And I'll, you know, we're on the air, so I can't tell you what he told him to do with it. But um, he says, I want you to go in there and try to strike everybody out. Stop pitching high and in, go to the four seamer. And in 2012, Jason's strikeout to innings pitch ratio skyrocketed. And he became a strikeout pitcher. And uh, and that, that was at the advice of Gary Sheffield. He said, go try to strike everybody out. Never mind this two sandwich getting ground balls. He said, strike everybody out that, that you're going to face. And that mentality changed his whole approach. And, and, and uh, you know, the rest of the story became a very successful closer for quite a, a closer and setup man for quite a few years. Right, so I see you got a you got all the, uh, the the frames and memorabilia behind you. When did you start your collection? Did you start basically as soon as you got in the bigs when you started collecting things, or or did you start a little bit after your play? And when did you when did you officially start? Um, you know, I collected stuff. I, my my first year in Pro Bowl was in nineteen seventy one, um, and that's when I was in the Florida State League and the you know. Um, I think most of the stuff you see in here is from the latter part of my career. And when you're moving around as much as you did in the minor leagues, not much room to put stuff in the car. So, um, yeah, most of this stuff has been a collection of, uh, of uh, my career, probably more at the end of my career. And, and of course, Jason's career. Um, I was able to collect a lot of stuff. I'm not far from Cooperstown. I'm there an awful lot. Um, I've, you know, that's how I've gotten a lot of my Hall of Fame uh, autographs. I, you know, because I'm a former player, uh, they have the, what they call the Cooperstown Classic, where they invite Major League ball players back and play in a, a game over at Doubleday Field. And, I mean, I, I laugh because, I, like I said, I, I, I did get my cup of coffee of, you know, two full seasons and two parts in the bigs. And I'm in the locker room with Jim Rice and Harmon Killebrew. All these Hall of Famers are asked back, and then there's Steve Grilly. I kind of laugh at that. You know? <laughs> I don't sell and, yourself and, short. Here's, here's a story you might get a kick out. I got to bring you over here. But living in Syracuse and owning a sports bar, 
this bat over here, when Jim Rice played for the Pawtucket Red Sox, and he came through, I don't know if you could see this here. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Jim Rice, see his autograph? Yeah. And do you see what it says on top? It says first it says something? First, first last. First well, last. First last. He was the first batter I ever faced in the big leagues, and I didn't realize it at the time. Somebody had to point it out to me years later. He was the last batter I ever faced in the big leagues. I him at the Cooperstown Classic, playing on the same team as him, and I brought the bat with me, and I told him, you know, you were the first and last batter I ever faced in the big leagues. And he, he goes, you're kidding. I said, no. He goes, what did I do? I said, well, I struck you out the first time, and you popped up the second the second time. He goes, oh, that's kind of funny. And I, I said, yeah, but I, I faced you a few more times in between there. And I said, I remember distinctly one day you almost took my head off with a long drive up the middle. So um, I think he had 250 off me as a, as a player. But, um, yeah, I I got that bad a kid. The Syracuse Chiefs was in town, got the crack bat and had it in his room for years. He came in the bar one day and he says, would you like this? And I said, sure, I'd like it. And you see the rest of the story. I got a, a, a bat with his autograph commemorating the fact that he was my first and last batter. I love it. I absolutely love it. Steve, you're an absolute credit to the game, and, and it was so great being able to pick your brain. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to come talk to us. I enjoy it, guys. Good luck to you, and, uh, you know, I wish you much success in the future. And like you, I still eat, sleep, and drink baseball you guys pirate fans both you absolutely i mean oh, it's yeah. tough it's tough too but i mean absolutely hey we're loyal fans it doesn't matter the successes or the lack thereof we're gonna stick with them we're gonna ride it out yeah i went back to my roots i'm a met fan because i'm from long island i grew up my dad loved them so i'm back and hopefully this year um they can do so it looks like they've got a good team good nucleus and i love buck showalter yeah they're they're playing really good baseball so it might be it might be a good year for mets fans and they're unfortunately few and far between just like it is for pirate fans well i wish you the best being that my family still lives there in pittsburgh i do root for the pirates well we appreciate it we need uh we need all the all the support we can get and uh like i said steve we really appreciate you thank you so much take care guys and thanks for having me thank you all right we are back third segment of the issue it's friday we're into june it's summer memorial day's past it's pool season feels fantastic it feels good um we're getting close to a couple milestones in our personal lives. It, it's a good, it's a good month for us, really. I mean, it is. We're the, June's going to be our first month of fully on YouTube the entire time. So yeah, we, we will have been here for a month. By the way, great analytics. It, we'll it see a month worth of analytics. Meant to say this before the show started, but um, it's two years of the issue to um, today. While we're recording this on Thursday, but the episode comes out on Friday. It has been exactly two years. So our first year. episode was June 2nd? June 2nd is when the first episode came out. Really? Yep. It's also, as we're recording this, it is the 12 years to the date of Armando Galarraga, who, if you listen this far, you heard, uh, we kind of talked about that last segment with Steve Greeley. Um, uh, his perfect game being blown by a really bad call by Jim Joyce. Yeah. Um, so Fantastic interview happy. with Steve Greeley, by the oh, way. So good. So good. I mean, being around the game for that long, it's almost hard to not be that good at talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he nailed it. Oh. Uh, so, awesome. Um, yeah, we Big really... thanks to him for coming on. It was 
a, a great with 28 minutes I think we had with him something like so that go check know. that out uh, we posted it as a standalone episode too so, okay, so it's, it's within this one you'll see it's standalone yep so options for the viewers so let's do let's do our let's do our quarterback tiers so we're going to take all 32 quarterbacks we're going to separate them into tiers now it's not equal tiers we have six tiers we have you know the the bottom we're going to call put up or shut up We'll have the the next tier up. We'll see. Oh, that guy. Then consistency, dogs, alphas. You'll see what I mean as we go through here. Um, also, we'll put up the graphic right here. You'll be able to see it whenever we start um, all the quarterbacks and their respective tiers. So let's get into it. Okay, so the bottom tier. We'll have – this is in no particular order within the tier. They're just kind of, you know, you can list them however you want order-wise. But Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance – Kenny Pickett, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, Drew Locke, Davis Mills. Now, I'm not going to go through each one and tell you why they're there. I think all of them can be summed up by the title of this tier, put up or shut up. Yeah. Right? These are the guys, they, they're competing for just to save their livelihood, I want to say. They're not competing for a job. I think Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson might be the only – there's like three or four of the rookies or second-year guys that are competing to prove they're that guy. But look around, Marcus Mariota trying to prove, trying to save his job. This is probably it, his last chance at starting. It's kind of for their career at this point. Sam Darnold, last chance at starting. Daniel Jones, last chance at starting. Drew Locke, last chance at starting, most likely. Davis Mills, he's getting a gift in the fact that Deshaun Watson walked, didn't Sam want to Darnold. play for him. He's now the starter. Um, these are all the guys they're getting their last chance. And then you'll have like guys Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Kenny Pickett. They're their rookies in Kenny Pickett's chance. Uh, and they're getting thing, that first and Trey shot, Lance, right? Kind of Trey Lance, basically a rookie, and then the other the the second year guys, Fields, Lawrence, and Zach Wilson, right? Those the, those guys, it's time to go, right? You've already been in the league a year, your feet are wet. Like this is where now, granted, these guys don't have to go win the Super Bowl, but they need to show, hey, we have a little bit of an it factor here. I, I am worthy of being the franchise guy. Build around me. Let's go, team on my back. Yeah, you have to show at least signs of it and, and progressions towards that. I feel like if you're at this point and you're kind of you're a Daniel Jones, and and we've seen it, and and you still can't bring something to the table that's going to make me go, oh well, I can maybe even think about having this guy as my backup on the roster for the next two to three years, to maybe if somebody gets hurt, insert him, and then you're like. I, I still haven't seen that, even a glimpse yet from him. Yeah, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. So it's put up or shut up for those guys. They need to come out and prove that they are the guy, that they can play in this league at a high level. Yeah. Some of these guys, we have yet to see it. Some of them show flashes. Either way, they need to do it. All right, next year up, we'll go with we'll see. Um, so these guys are a little bit more proven, and I trust them a little bit more. But I'm not sure they're next. They're quite to the next level yet. So we're talking Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts, yep. Tua, Mac Jones, and Jameis Winston. Right now, people are like, "Why isn't Jameis in the bottom of this?" And even Jared Goff. I'm like, first of all, Jared Goff's been to a Super Bowl, and Jameis Winston. Now, granted, he did throw 30 picks or whatever. Also, threw 30 touchdowns. He's thrown for 5,000 yards. It's a very short list of quarterbacks who have thrown for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Yeah. And Jameis is on that list. And I'm telling you, he's with company like Drew Brees, Big Ben. Um, I, I think I think Brady's on that list. I want to say maybe Peyton Manning, right? It's a short list. All risky, take the shot downfield quarterbacks, and and it's the price that you pay sometimes when you know those throws are a little bit off. They lack a little bit of 
precision yeah. downfield and getting that ball exactly where it needs to be. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is balanced out with those touchdowns. And picks, yeah, they're bad, but I feel like the timeliness of picks are, are is kind of the bigger deal. If you're throwing picks in the first quarter uh, on a deep on a deep ball and it's like second and seven, it's your second drive of the game. You don't love that. I mean, I don't it's mind okay. it, yeah, it's but okay. it's not as bad as a pick in the fourth quarter when you're trying right. to come back at Ryan Tannehill. Right, right. That makes sense. I mean, ask yourself this. Would you take Jameis Winston in a game um, right now with the Saints over any of the guys uh, in the in the bottom tier? Mm. Right now, I don't feel good about any of the guys in the bottom tier against Jameis. No. I think Jameis is a better quarterback than all those guys. I think Right so. now, currently. Now, granted, do I think Lawrence and Lance and Pickett and Fields – are going to be better than him at some point? Yes, I do. But right now, I think Jameis is a better quarterback. Mac Jones, Tua, same thing with Jalen Hurts. Now, people, I, I'm not even a huge Jalen Hurts guy, but he's super productive. Yeah, He's got some wiggle to him. He runs around. Um, right, so we'll go with we'll see, because I think they still are on the verge of being you know, dumped by their teams, if you will. Yeah. But I think they have a little bit more of an edge than the guys above, uh, below them. Sorry. I like that. Next guy, uh, next tier, we'll go, oh, that guy. Um because it's kind of guys that fly a little bit under the radar. Now, some of them I'm, I'm more fans of than others, uh, but they fly under the radar. They're not super special athletically. They're they're okay. They're good, but they're not special athletes. They're not special throwers of the football, right? Like Matt Ryan. Now, I think earlier in his career, Matt Ryan's probably in the tier above this one, but now a little bit limited, uh, especially with his legs. Now, granted, he's never been mobile, but more than ever, he's very, very stationary, and his arm is good, not as special as it once was. Carson Wentz, he's erratic. I don't know what I'm getting from him, but he's certainly big, strong athlete. Kirk Cousins is wildly productive, but doesn't win enough for me. And then finally, Ryan Tannehill, who wins a lot, but you kind of have questions like, is it really him? Is it Derrick Henry? Is it the defense? Is it the culture? How much is he impacting he's it? He's very but, propped up with the pieces around him. Right, but I will say, most of the time, he doesn't lose the game for them. No, yeah, you're right. He's certainly good. First he's of all, not, he's good enough to get him to a one seed, and Derrick Henry was hurt all last year, so... He, and I'll, I'll give him that, but at the end of the day, he did make most of the mistakes that cost them a first-round bounce, though, to the Bengals. That's fair, it, but, but I'll also count... I mean, it's one bad game, you know what I mean? It, it is just, one bad game, chose, but it's a very bad, timely game to have a bad game. I agree, I agree. I, I do think he deserves to be in this category, because, once again, sit there and, and ask yourself, oh, is I he agree. better than Goff? I, I yep. think he's right in that category with all those other guys. I'm just saying, I feel like he'd be the one on the verge of slipping down, down a little bit yeah. out of everyone here. I mean, I like Kirk Cousins. He's been super consistent. I think Kirk is solved in that in that class I right think there. he he leads the class up there with Matt Ryan. I think it's neck and neck with those two. And then a step down to Carson Wentz and then Ryan Tannehill underneath Carson if, if we were going if we were gonna be order ranking it. them like that. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Let's go with um, the next one. Consistency? Question mark. Um, Kyler, Lamar, Dak, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson. First of all, Deshaun, I don't even know if he's going to play. Derek Carr is good, and he will have MVP caliber seasons, and then he'll either get hurt or kind of take a step back. Dak, without Amari Cooper, he's a completely different quarterback and very inconsistent. If he can do it consistently, he's a solid B-plus quarterback. Lamar, is he going to stay healthy because he didn't last year? Can he come back? Uh, can he play from behind? Can he become a better pocket quarterback? We'll see. Certainly special, but we'll see. Same thing with Kyler Murray. Yep. Can he take his team to that next level? Really good athletically, got a good arm. Can he take that next level and win a little bit more? So consistency from these guys. Yeah, these are guys that we've seen do it and kind of show that they are special. They do have that it factor about them. But 
they've kind of also slipped and lost some games that they should have won right. or haven't been in some places that they should have been. Um, like, for all the hype around Dak, I would like to see maybe an NFC Championship game. Can we at least uh, get like, there? I mean, like, good lord. I'd like to see an appearance yeah. or, or a couple of playoff games won. So this is a tier, guys, where it's like, okay, you've done it before. Now let's see you do it on a more regular, consistent basis and win the winnable games and then go beat those good teams too, okay, because that matters. I agree. So next one we're up, we're going to go with dogs because Aaron Rodgers on the field. I, I have my issues with him off the field. On the field, he's a beast. Same thing with Tom Brady. He's retired a little bit, contemplated being an owner. Not sure how committed he really is right now, and he is 40-something, so he's not super special athletically. Yeah. Um, Russ is coming off an injury, new team. I don't know what I'm going to get, but he certainly still is a very skilled quarterback. Matt Stafford, getting a little bit older, not super mobile, very accurate, and a good arm, though, so definitely deserves to be in that tier. And then Joe Burrow. Now, people might ask, why is Joe Burrow not in the top tier? He led an average roster to the Super Bowl. Um, I will say injury concerns. And also, yeah, he did it that one year, but also we, we don't know how that's going to play going forward. The division's really, really solid. Uh, since when has Cincinnati had a history of being consistently good? Um, let me help you out. Never. Yep. Right. So I'm not going to put my eggs in that basket and be like, yup, they're going to be really good for the next 10 years because that's never happened. And then finally, also because I think Joe Burrow also has a couple holes in his game. Arm isn't super special. And here's what sets apart the alphas. They'd have no holes in their game. Jo- uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Big arm, mobile, accurate, coachable, really good at the podium, absolute franchise guy, guy without a doubt in your world. You're not even fielding a call. No. You're not even fielding a call. Now, granted, I don't think you will on the dogs, but you are – you might even – you might pick up the phone with the dogs and then laugh. You're not even picking up the phone with the Alphas. It's not even close. It's not even close. You give them whatever they want. It's not even a discussion. Because um, I think those are the three best quarterbacks right now in football. Here's the graphic right here um, to kind of recap all the tiers. Go back through, right? We have the we have the put up or shut up there at the bottom. Um, you know, your guys, Daniel Jones, they, they need to prove themselves, right? Davis Mills, Drew Locke, like this might be your, your last shot, right? Then we'll have the we'll see. Some guys are a little more, more proven, right? Goss been to a Super Bowl. Um, Jalen Hurts has, has led his team to the playoffs. Jameis has had a couple really nice seasons. Um, with some really, really bad ones sprinkled in. That's why he's here, not higher. Um, you get that, uh, oh, that guy, right? Because those are kind of the guys that fly under the radar. They're good, not special. Certainly will win you some games. Aren't going to lose you a ton of games. Um, consistency, those are the guys that I would very, I, I would build around those guys, but I need to see it more consistently before I maybe, you know, give them the bag. Oh, yeah. In Cleveland's case, and uh, I guess in the in Dax, Derek Carr's and Deshaun's, they've already given them the bag. I have my concerns about all of them giving them that much money. Um, at least they've found the guy that they want to build around. Right, right. And at, at the end of the day, it's better to have a guy that you're going to overpay for that is, is going to be good than, you know, not have a guy at all. Yeah. Right. I think even if you're overpaying Deshaun Watson, would you rather be Cleveland today or the Giants with Daniel Jones? Still rather, yeah. I'd rather be Cleveland today. I'd rather be Cleveland. I'd also rather be Dallas than a lot of those. Um, I'd rather be Dallas. I'd rather be Vegas. Even 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 not knowing what you're going to get with Kyler going forward, I'd still rather be Arizona than any of the teams in the uh, in that bottom tier. So, yeah. And then you'll have your dogs, you know, Rodgers. You know, these are the guys that, that, without a doubt, you're building around. Those are the guys that could certainly win a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And, and, I mean, you look at this list. I mean, how many Hall of Famers are, are in this category right here? 
Uh, I mean, Ross, I Tom, mean, Aaron Rodgers, and probably Matt Stafford. Now that he has a Super Bowl, I think Matt Stafford is certainly going to get votes. If he has a couple more good seasons, he'll get in. And obviously too early to call on Burrow, but I'm just saying. He's got a good start. The, the other, He does have a good start. The other ones in this category, though, just absolute standout talents at the quarterback position. So, I mean. Yeah, and I think the, al- the alphas the alphas are, are going to be future Hall of Famers that are entering their prime. Right, like Josh yeah. Allen was in it last year. Mahomes was in it last year. I think Herbert, this coming year, is the start of his prime. Um, like last year, still amazing. An MVP caliber player. I almost think of Alpha as more of like a face of the game. More right, right. Than, more These than are, like a Hall of Famer. That's a great way, that's, that's a great way to look at it. These guys, this is going to be your... Your um your Brady Manning breeze of this generation yes. right here yeah like, no I'm with you you're a big three you're big four usually three to four dudes that are just going to be competing going to control next, a generation decade yeah I um, agree and those are the guys yeah um so either way absolutely fantastic quarterback rankings right there and, and some clever names of the tiers if you guys like that yeah that's pretty good it's pretty good and I, we just kind of whipped those up if we put even a little more thought into those we might even get better better names I don't know we'll see that, that was like one of the first times we tried the clever name thing. We did a little bit of the ballers and stuff last time, but that was only three categories. Right. We really had to dig into the, uh, the, the imagination uh, and everything. The get, creativity bank, if yeah, you will. Get that going. Um, but either way, to close out the show, we have this or that. Um, five, I guess, scenarios of either players or coaches. You'll see. Uh, in the NFL is the theme. And it's just who you'd rather have uh, going forward for this season. Um, yeah. Let's get into we, it. Get fired up. All right, number one, I'll, I'll pose the question to you first. Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup going into this season? Um, honestly, I like Cooper Cup a lot. I think he can do things at the receiver position that a lot of people can't do. Uh, the way he runs routes, it seems like he always finds a way to get open. Um, his feet are some of the quickest and the best I've seen, I think, in the last five to ten years uh antonio brown would be up there in comparison i would even say even devonta is up there but cooper cup is almost next level yeah he he just shakes defenders so easily and then i mean the hands he goes up and makes insane catches to go along with that i think he's very reliable uh and also he's more comfortable going into this season he's on a team he's on a roster that they just won a super bowl they 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 gelled all last season they have that Memory, the, the like, continuity, like, right. continuity, yeah. Going forward into this season, now Devonte Adams on a new team with the Raiders. Yes, he's comfortable with Derek Carr, right? Old college teammates, but at the same time, it's a new organization, it's a new playbook. New he's coach, have to, new coach, new front office. Everything's different. He's going to have to maybe have a couple weeks here to figure it out. So going forward, I'd take Cooper Cup. I agree with you. I'm going to go Cooper Cup as well. First of all, I think he is a slightly more productive, um, at least this past season with Matt Stafford. 145 catches is is insane. Um, I worry a little bit with Devontae Adams. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Derek Carr. Huge Derek Carr supporter. But there, nobody puts the ball in the right spot like Aaron Rodgers does. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Derek Carr's good, but he's not that level good. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment for Devontae Adams. Um, and like I said, I, I, I love that Cooper Cup's come back with the same quarterback, a little bit more productive. I'll go Cup as well. Also, he can play inside or outside. Very um, versatile. Very versatile. And Devontae Adams, mostly an outside guy. Okay, number two here. Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? Um, I'd say we've seen the consistency from Patrick Mahomes more. I think Josh Allen might might actually have more of a, of a ceiling than Mahomes. I think it's kind of crazy to say. Um 
But I think also with Mahomes' top weapon leaving, I, I'm going to take Josh Allen on this one. Um, I, I like his arm. He, I think arm strength, they compare almost equally. Uh, precision passing, I think Patrick probably takes yeah, that one. Yeah, a little more accurate. Uh, and, and he can do things like the sidearm throws and the backpedaling throws. A little more uh, versatile with his arm slot. Yeah, I'd say more athletic, uh, can make more of the throws on the run. Uh, but just overall pocket presence, guy that I want to leave my team, I'm going to go Josh Allen. I'm going to agree with you, and especially because, like you said, top weapon Tyree Kill's gone. Um, Josh, Al- Josh Allen gets Stephon Diggs back, right? He yeah. gets all the top targets back, right? Gabriel Davis is emerging as a stud, as a number two receiver to, to, to Stephon Diggs. Uh, they get O.J. Howard, I believe, um, who's a really talented tight end from Tampa Bay. And I think Josh Allen, his running ability is really what sets it apart for me. And I agree. I think his ceiling is higher, right? The highs of Josh Allen, I think, are better at some points than the highs of, of Patrick Mahomes, and I believe it. I just think Mahomes is generally a little more steady-handed than Allen, but... I think this year, Allen is going to be... He's my MVP pick for this season. I know that's not a hot take. A lot of people are taking him to win MVP. I feel pretty good about it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with him going into this season. And I don't even think it's a knock on Mahomes. I think Josh Allen's just that good. All right, we're going to shake it up. I'm going to ask you first this time. We're going to go TJ Watt or Aaron Donald. I'm going to go with TJ Watt. First of all, he just broke or he tied the sack record this past season. Um Nobody has more sacks than him over the course of the last three seasons. Um, and then there's a, there's a whole, like, Miles Garrett versus TJ Watt debate. That's not even close. I think the Aaron Donald debate is significantly closer. Um, I think Aaron Donald is a more impactful player on a, on a play-by-play basis um, than a Miles Garrett. So this is a better debate. But I think even more impactful is TJ Watt. And some people are like, well, it doesn't stop the run quite as well. I disagree. I mean, I, I, I disagree. He only had 20 less tackles. Which for an, for an edge rusher, having only 20 less tackles than a defensive lineman is saying something, right? The, the fact that he's even close uh, means he does stop the run. He is effective in stopping the run. 22 and a half sacks. He's a disruptor on every single play. And here's something interesting to note. He single-handedly made the play to win a game like three times this past season. And I remember two from the season before. Like he is straight up winning you football games. Now, granted, Aaron Donald made that play in the Super Bowl to quote-unquote win the game, like a game-sealing play like I'm referencing right now. Um, But I have no doubt that T.J. Watt could do that if he got to that level, right? I think T.J. Watt impacts more plays on a game-to-game basis. I'll go T.J. Watt. I 100% agree with you. Uh, He has done things from that outside linebacker position, that edge rusher uh, position, that we have never seen. Rarely, rarely ever seen uh, we've seen it but when you see it it's special um and it, tj's that guy he leads that defense and it same can be argued for aaron donald these it's like comparing i mean two greats they're gonna be yeah. two first ballot hall of famers when they get there um i think tj watt though does have the edge just because he's so versatile and, and that position is so valuable, too. I mean, having a great edge rusher, we've seen how many game-changing sacks that he's had. We were at the game, yeah. uh, Ben's last home game at Huntsville. Where he had, like, five sacks against Baker. It yeah. was nuts, uh, TJ. Speaking of Baker, Baker, Jameis Winston, I'll go first. I'm going to go with um, I'm gonna go with Jameis Winston. You've I think thought James about Winston, this one for a little bit, haven't you? I think he's grown up a bit more than Baker has. Seriously, I mean, he accepted the backup role in New Orleans. He got hurt, and he worked his way back. That's fair. You can see he's taking his training up a notch. I'll go Jameis. I think he's a little bit more grown up right now than Baker is, and that might be sad to say. Yeah. You going to go with Jameis, too? Um, I don't know. I just feel like the picks... I don't 
I don't like picking Baker, and I don't like the thought of picking Baker, but, I mean, Jameis Price. I will say they both have the same exact career pass rating, 87.8, so. I mean, I'll go Jameis because he's not as noisy. Fair enough. That's, that's exactly why I'm doing it. And I don't <laughs> think that, that's the reason Baker doesn't have a job. It's not because his talent. It's because no. it's the noise. All right, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. I'm going to go Sean McVay. First of all, he has a Super Bowl, and he hasn't blown a lot of leads like uh, Kyle Shanahan has. True. 28-3 and, and, and the Super Bowl lead with the Niners. Um, I do think Shanahan's a, a genius and revolutionary, but I think Sean McVay is that just to the next level. I don't think the gap is miles. I think it's feet. Um, but I'll take McVay by a hair. Okay. You taking McVay? I, I, yes, but I think it's really... Is really, really close. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's close. I mean, they're two of the best young minds uh, in the NFL. I, I've i seen... I can't go with Shanahan just because I've seen that video of McVay being asked those questions. about He's just his, a genius. About his past games when he coached with Washington and all the way back. And he could tell you every single play from every single game and the outcome, who caught the ball. Yeah. I mean, I- insanity from like the last... 10 years of his coaching career. Well, it's absolutely nuts. So impressive. He's a genius. But, uh, guys, that's about all the time we have. We really, really appreciate you stopping by, um, coming to listen to me. Maybe you just came to listen to the Steve Really um, interview. We really appreciate that. If you listened the whole way through, we also appreciate that. Go ahead and give it a like, a follow. Go download it on Spotify. Follow us on there. Like it. Show some support. We really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you guys so much. Yep, and uh, make sure you're going to all of our social media, doing everything, commenting, liking, sharing, subscribing, and thanks for listening. That was The Issue.